You're listening to Oak City Move, a new podcast from 88.1 WKNC, highlighting people doing positive things in Raleigh and beyond. Oak City Move can be heard on air every Friday morning from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. on 88.1 WKNC or online at wknc.org listen. For episodes and more information, go to blog.wknc.org or follow us on SoundCloud at WKNC881. And I were talking about this a couple days ago, but I wanted to throw out this idea of like the ethics of storytelling. Storytelling is like one piece of communicating and connecting. Um, but I think that, you know, thinking back to playing Jaded Aid with Teddy yesterday and some of the really deep and like important and uncomfortable points I think that that talk raised. Um, you know, when there's an impetus to tell a story in order to get an action, or whether that's like donate, or feel really sad, or click this, or do that, um, where are the ethics in that? And like, what happens to that person whose story is being told? Because it's a really, that's a part in it, right? Like between the subject and the storyteller and the audience, it's a relationship that's really difficult or delicate. Teddy Rouge revisited the topic of word choice during his outro for Switchpoint. And we had an honest talk about terminology. All of you have, at one point or another, used the term in the field. Who has it? What a saint. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Am I in the field? I'm an African in America. Am I in the field? Are you in the field when you're in my country? Guess what? We're all in the field. Because we're trying to make humanity better. And there is no office and field. It's just one planet. Listening to the input of people with knowledge in such a wide range of disciplines was inspiring and highlighted the importance of interdisciplinary thinking in problem solving. The most valuable and exciting part of Switchpoint was the creative and enthusiastic energy brought forth by all in attendance. Everyone was friendly, open, and mingled freely, speakers and participants alike. I never felt intimidated or unwelcome in approaching people. Even the times between structured activities and stage talks were filled with collaboration and learning opportunities. Al Strong and Party Illegal provided entertainment and set the mood with their music while attendees enjoyed lunch. Walking across the grounds of Hall River Ballroom, one could hear energetic conversations between innovators discussing everything from potential future collaboration opportunities to whether or not coding would be relevant in the near future, to swapping ideas and advice on current projects. To have a conversation. So as you sit around and, and you're laughing and you're drunk, we hope that after you're sober, you can really confront that smug sense of self-satisfaction and have a conversation with yourself by coming to terms with the fact that maybe your intervention is the problem. That was Teddy Rouge speaking about his work as founder of Raintree Farms and Jaded Aid. I sat down with him during lunch and got to further explore the concepts behind his work. So the concept really behind it, as, as explained in the talk, is to really bring uh, forward uh, some of these underlying conversations and, and cynicism that, that's really inherent in the development field. I mean, we understand a lot of these people that are here are well-meaning people working in a really difficult uh, industry, and a lot of it is very much constrained by bureaucracy and um, a white savior complex, really, to, uh, to be honest. And we asked people, you know, when we played, you know, uh, Cards Against Humanity, and we're like, you know, these issues are very much, you know, similar in the development. What if we narrowed the game down to the, this field of um, humanitarian aid and then focused on that? Not only was I able to learn from and interact with people I likely wouldn't have met otherwise, the connections I made felt authentic, unlike some made it uptight and formal networking events I'd attended in the past. 
Heather Lagarde called it alchemy. Just really like synced up super well. So uh, that and now seeing these two days and then seeing all you guys come in and how you might inter, inter network with them is just, that's, we keep using the word alchemy because we believe in it. Like I just think there's some magicness of the com combined creation of people who want to do something good for the world in a space together, making it happen. Heather wasn't the only one who found people to be the highlight of Switchpoint. Throughout my two days in Saxapaha, I spoke with several individuals about their passions, what brought them to Switchpoint, and their thoughts on the conference. It's, it's fun being with just such a passionate group of people. Like, I go to a lot of conferences, I go to a lot of gatherings, convenings, and this group seems to want really actionable information that they can walk away and do something differently as a result. So as a speaker or a presenter, it's nice to have a group that's hungry for information. It's so real compared to other conferences. Um, you interact with people in a way that seems genuine and not self-interested. You know, everybody's interested in the problem. They're not interested in getting a job. They're not interested in learning about, um, you know, who to talk to at USAID. It's very, it's very problem-focused and focused on what can we do to address this pressing challenge in the world um, without regard for... Um, for the interests of our own organization, um, and instead with a focus on genuine connections. Personally, attending Switchpoint was an event of intentional serendipity that changed my career goals and worldview. Jessica Colasso, co-founder of Brave Venture Lab, discussed the role intentional serendipity played in shaping her career goal as a digital humanitarian on the first day of the conference. Serendipity is the aptitude to actually stumble upon ideas, great concepts, by luck. But in intentional serendipity, you work it out, you make the serendipity happen. At Switchpoint, Heather is making the intentional serendipity happen. The issues and innovations I learned over the course of these two days opened my eyes to a world I'd never known before and changed my life for the better. Catherine Cheney inspired me to dig deeper into issues and to focus on potential solutions when faced with a problem rather than being disillusioned by bad news. I also gather journalists in the San Francisco Bay Area where I'm based and we discuss what more we can do to cover responses to social problems as rigorously as most of the media tends to focus on the problems themselves. This is probably a dynamic you get frustrated with on a daily basis. Teddy reminded me to stay present and conscious of my actions and to question the efficacy of solutions, regardless of intention. All of the amazing speakers inspired me to think creatively and to consider the connections between seemingly disparate issues. I'm already looking forward to next year's Switchpoint and would recommend the conference to anyone. No matter what your background or career goal, you're bound to leave Saxapaha with a brain full of ideas and a heart full of hope. With that, I leave you with Teddy's words from the closing ceremony of Switchpoint. Ladies and gentlemen, how many of you listened to my talk yesterday? How many of you are uncomfortable? Then I didn't do my job. The important things that we need to accomplish in life, the most important things that we need to accomplish, that we will ever accomplish, Always sit right outside your comfort zone. How many believe that? If it's easy, you wouldn't be here. Right? If it's easy, you would not be here. You're here to do the tough things. You're here to accomplish the tough things in the world and to make the world a better place. All of that sits outside your comfort zone. That's why you're here, to try to do it better. And I'm here to push you into your comfort zone, outside your comfort zone. It's not comfortable for me to sit here and tell a room full of do-gooders, you're the problem. Is it? Does it feel good to hear that? How about you want to beat the crap out of me? Have you any idea the kind of work we do? But I want you to leave here feeling empowered. Feeling that yes, you've had 
important dialogue that will lead you to question your very existence because that's important. Because you need to be present in everything that you do. Because your presence in my community means something. As much as my presence in your community means something. Here's to doing it better. Hope to see you next April. My name's Fionn, and you're listening to WKNC 88.1 Raleigh. Ideas retreat until you flick the switch and get the point. Invent a joint venture engineering ointments. Bringing projects to projects. People are not objects. Progress takes community. Forget the profits, the conference. Better yet, we gather as community. Art plus activism come together beautifully. The conference. Better yet, we gather as community. Art plus activism, especially when we chillin' up bad. Hey, this is Brian and Mikey and Pat from from Weezer, Weezer. and you are listening to WKNC 88.1 FM Raleigh. You got good backy out there, Raleigh. Hola, compa. Ya te tocó el lobito, DJ Cancel. ¿Qué pasó, compa? Así nos llevamos. No, pues ya ves. ¿Cuál es su favorita canción, eh? Ah, mi favorita canción. Los teles. Yo soy tu maestro. Órale, DJ. ¿Ya escuchó? Ya escuché, maestro. Escuchen a Canto de Lobos en WKNC. Para que le toquen el lobito. Programming on 88.1 WKNC is supported by the Poorhouse Music Hall in Raleigh. Each Thursday, the Poorhouse, Younger Brother Productions, and WKNC present Local Band, Local Beer Night. Since 2007, Local Band, Local Beer has paired North Carolina-based music with North Carolina brewed beer for a regular Thursday evening hangout. Doors open each Thursday at 8.30 p.m. and music starts at 9.30. More information about local band, local beer, and other Poorhouse shows is at thepoorhousemusichall.com. WKNC would like to thank the Poorhouse for their continued support. Programming on 88.1 WKNC is supported by the NC State Office of Information Technology and PAC-TV. The NC State basketball, hockey, lacrosse, and club soccer teams are in action this weekend. The game's highlights and reactions are on PAC-TV, NC State's sports channel. PAC-TV is available on Apple and Roku TV and on campus on channel 32.2. PAC-TV, bringing you into the pack. WKNC would like to thank the NC State Office of Information Technology and PAC-TV for their continued support. Programming on 88.1 WKNC is supported by Live Nation, presenting Rise Against the Deftones at Raleigh's Red Hat Amphitheater on Sunday, June 18th. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. at LiveNation.com via the Live Nation app and all Ticketmaster outlets. More information about Rise Against the Deftones at Red Hat Amphitheater on June 18th and other upcoming Live Nation shows is at LiveNation.com. WKNC would like to thank Live Nation for their continued support. What would you do with up to $140,000 to make campus more sustainable? The Sustainability Fund at NC State is currently seeking proposals for high-impact sustainability projects. The Student Feedback Fund has helped install Big Belly solar trash compactors around campus and commission innovative musical performances. All students, faculty, and staff are encouraged to apply. Applications are due February 19th and can be found online at sustainability.ncsu.edu under the Get Involved tab. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Tomboy. And you're listening to WKNC FM HD1 Raleigh. WKNC, this is Fionn. This is Sarah. And we are here with the Oak City Move uh, weekly show. It's going to be from 9 to 11. Before the break, you heard our story on Switchpoint Conference, which is something I went to last year that really inspired me. After, after the fact, I didn't realize it until I was really thinking about the show, but I'm realizing a lot of the concepts I learned there have carried over to our show now. And during the break, you might have heard a PSA about a sustainability fund. Timely, because we are going to have someone from the sustainability fund board come and talk about their work here on campus and what they do for students. But in the meantime, hey, Sarah. Hey, Fionn. So tell me a little bit about Switchpoint. I mean, we we listened to the we listened to the soundbite, but tell us a little bit more. Yeah. So Switchpoint is a conference that happened last April, and it's going to happen again this coming April. And we're actually going to have some people who organized it and people from IntraHealth come and talk about what goes on behind the scenes there and what 
the the purpose behind the conference is. But it is it's a really interdisciplinary thing where you can Hi. Ooh, we have Sam here from the Sustainability Fund, so we'll be talking to him in just a minute. Hey. But actually, yeah, let's do that. So instead of listening to me talk, let's listen to this song from Z Avi. She is a singer-songwriter from Malaysia. And this song is called Sibo Kitak Nangis. From Z Avi, you're listening to WKNC, and we'll be speaking with Sam in just a moment. So stick around. My name is Fion. My name is Sarah. And we're here with Sam. Hey, Sam. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? So we're so glad to have you come in and speak with us about the Sustainability Fund. So what is your role in that? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me on. Uh, My role in the Sustainability Fund is one of a board member position. I am one of the students that is represented on the board. Um, There are also faculty and staff that are represented on this board. But essentially what the board does is we're a group of individuals who vote on how the disbursement of funds for different project proposals for sustainability efforts on campus are dispersed. And so we approve of projects that are submitted, or if not approved, we try to help as much as we can to refine the project so that as many students and staff and faculty that submit project proposals are able to have the ability to accomplish their goal for sustainability at NC State. So you kind of touched on it already, but tell us what exactly the Sustainability Fund is. Sure. So all of y'all, whether you know it or not, through student (laughs) fees, are giving about $5 every year to the Sustainability Fund. Um, Now, it doesn't sound a lot from an individual level, but you multiply that by 34,000 students, (laughs) and you've got a solid budget of about $150,000 that goes towards anything sustainable. So in March... March, at the end of March, I believe, is going to be the Nile Project, for example. That's one of the projects that we're really excited about that's going to be taking place in Stewart Theater. Um, If you don't know about it very much, it's a group of people from Africa, uh, countries that surround the Nile, that are going to be coming and traveling to NC State. And they're going to be putting on a show all about sustainability and how they're trying to uh, clean up the Nile and keep the Nile as clean as possible. So that's just an example of something that we fund. The big bellies that you've seen around campus, uh, the solar panels that you're going to be seeing on the Witherspoon bus stop very shortly, all of these are efforts that we have been able to coordinate with very ambitious students or staff or faculty that have submitted proposals to us for the Sustainability Fund. And so how did you get involved in the Sustainability Fund? Good question. So freshman year, I'm a sophomore this year, everybody. Um <laughs> I joined the NC State Stewards, and the NC State Stewards are a group on campus that advocate for different activities, whether it be um, the engineering of different types of environmental efforts, or I worked on composting for NC State. So then at the end of that year, I was um, not able to attend all of the meetings like I'd hoped I would be able to this year. So I looked into other opportunities to be involved in the sustainability that NC State offers. And I found out about the Sustainability Fund. So I applied and became one of the members. And now I currently serve on the board. That's awesome. Um, So what are some of the highlights of working for the Sustainability Fund? Seeing all the projects is absolutely incredible. Um, We have some really creative people at NC State that come up with really ingenious ideas. And I'm just glad that we have the ability and the students are so willing to facilitate the transfer of funds from their pocket into the into the fund because we really do our best to utilize all the funds and maximize the potential that can be occurring on campus. So we've seen some very transformational efforts go through the Sustainability Fund, and we're really proud of what we've been able to accomplish as a group. And students should be proud too because they can take ownership over it. That's the best part. These are sustainability efforts that are by the students, for the students, and that's always been our mission. No matter what, it always has to in some way benefit the NC State student population. Tell us about some projects that the fund has supported. I know we've got the Big Belly, the big trash cans, compactors that we have here. Is that what they are? Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what else has they been? Good question. So we've had a couple different experiments tested out. So uh, near Lake Jordan, which is right off uh, Hunt, I believe. That's the name of the lake. Uh, Lake, wait, do you mean Lake Raleigh? Lake Raleigh, forgive me. I knew it was one of those lakes. It's all good. Um, 
So Lake Raleigh around it, unfortunately, I'm sure you guys know that bee populations are starting to become extinct. So in an effort to um, really rally up all the bees around the area, <laughs> we had one project that was all about planting um, spe plant species that would attract bees and that would allow bees to cultivate their hives and um, be more active. So that was a really interesting one that we, we saw um, in a different type of way for sustainability, but it impacts all of us, including students. Another one that we've seen is a coordinated effort to have floating um, bodies of plants. And through that, we're trying to see what the, the cleanliness of the water is and how water runoff from different activities such as fertilizers that um, might impact the water supply for all these different lakes that we have surrounding us might be impacting um, the wildlife in the lake or the wildlife surrounding the lake. So. so are you using the plants as a measurement for like if they live a certain way, then you know this? Or are you using them to like clean up the lake, like soak up all the chemicals in the air? Like what? what's the... So it's a bit of both. Um, since we don't have the extent of plants to be able to really clean up the lake, it's more of a way of having soil sucking up all of these different chemicals so that we can test their toxicity. Okay, that's so cool. So it's, it's a measurement of what's going on on a smaller scale, but for the, the major lake itself. Awesome. So what's the process um, if a student or a faculty member has an idea that they think the sustainability fund um, could work on? What's the process, I guess, for getting those ideas up and running? Sure. So if you just look up sustainability fund NCSU on Google or go through um, the NCSU website and put in sustainability fund, you'll easily be able to find the application, which is still active. And we are um, constantly recruiting students, faculty, and staff to submit any proposal. We don't disregard anything. We try to really work with them, um, but they put together a project proposal. We look it over. We see what the budget is that they're asking for. And if we think it's something that's feasible, that they're actually going to be able to accomplish and that they're passionate about, then why not fund it? So that's kind of the process that we go through. They find out typically in May, June, um, and then funds are distributed to them in July and they have the entire year to work on their project based on their project timeline. What do you look for in a project? Great question. We <laughs> don't have any set criteria. We just ask that the project proposal is clean, professional, and that the mission, like I, I've stated before, is based for students or for everyone. It can't really serve the private interests of any one individual staff member or faculty. It really needs to revolve around either the whole composite of NC State or society or students itself. Have there been any unexpected, one of the things about our show is we do try to find solutions that people are implementing. So that's perfect, exactly what y'all are doing. But we also try to dig in and make sure that there aren't any unexpected repercussions of doing something, mm -hmm. even with the best intentions. Have there Has there been anything like that where y'all maybe want to do better this year, some things that didn't go as well as you wanted to in the past? Sure. Um, nothing with regards to the projects themselves in terms of the impact that they've created. All of them have had net positive impacts. What has been difficult is working with individuals who sometimes don't budget properly or who don't consider um, the underlying costs that might exist. So whether it be keeping up the big bellies, for example, and making sure that there are staff that are properly trained on how to fix the big bellies if the big bellies were to break. Um, but those are more on the financial end of the spectrum. And since we are a fund that is just starting up, not as many students have become fully aware of what we are able to offer them. So we do have some saved funds in our reservoir, and we can take care of um, those maintenance costs for the time being. But once we start to operate on a higher level, that is something that we're going to be taking more and more into consideration. And that's something I wouldn't have thought of with the big bellies, because when I look at it, I'm like, oh, it's a trash can. But I guess in putting those in... There are always the little things that you have to think of, like the fixing. I didn't even think about that. Absolutely. So looking forward, are there any projects that have recently been proposed that you're excited about? What are you excited about for this year? For this year. So I haven't seen any of the projects just because we meet on about a four to six week basis and we haven't had all the submissions come through our way. And we typically look over all of them at a single time and we review the project proposals and then we decide on them. So I haven't seen any for this year. That doesn't mean that I'm not super excited. 
Um, I've heard a couple of rumors about different things that might be like offered onto the table, and one of them is um, the expansion of the sustainability efforts that we have through solar panels on campus. So I'm always a proponent of solar energy and making sure that more locations, especially bus stops where students are either waiting for a while or need energy so you can plug in your phone or something along those lines exists. So I'm always happy to see those come across our table. But besides that, I'm, I, I've got an open mind and I'm excited for whatever comes our way. And I know you've got to get to class, but one, the last question I have for you is what makes you passionate about sustainability and what is the importance of this fund? What makes me passionate about sustainability is that it applies to every single one of us. And there are so many opportunities for us to take part in different events um, in our lives. And the one that I'd like to contribute to and be as much a part of as possible is the movement to preserve our life on this planet. And not only for us, but for future generations. And my passion with the Sustainability Fund thus far has been working with individuals who are so motivated, they're passionate, and uh, they, they're fully aware of what it takes to run a successful environmental and sustainable effort. And working with those types of people has given me a lot of insight into how I'd like to operate in my future career. Um, so it's been an inspirational opportunity for me to learn more about career opportunities, but it's also been a really eye-opening experience to see just how students can really rally behind something like the Sustainability Fund, contribute to it through student fees. And on top of that, we can have so many different projects on campus being successful. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Thank you guys for having me on. We appreciate you coming in. I've been here with Sarah Darwish, my co-host. My name's Fionn, and we've been speaking with Sam from the Sustainability Fund. And if you want to learn more about that, you can look online. What's the website, Sam? Sustainability Fund, NC State. Um, it's probably better than going through a hyperlink. So if you just look it up, it'll be really easy to find. And we've got a new logo, so we hope you like Ooh. it. Aww, that's awesome. Well, thanks again for coming in. Hope you have a great day. Thank you. Bye, everyone. This is 88.1 WKNC Raleigh. That song you just heard was called Friday Night Blues. Um, I'm with the Oak City Move. My name's Sarah. My name's Fionn. And this week, we are going to be highlighting some movers and shakers that are really important to us. Um, and every week in the future, we're going to be hopefully highlighting some cool people that are doing positive things in our community. Um, so who are this week's movers and shakers, Fionn? So it is our three winners, Dea, Yusuri, and Roseanne. And do you want to speak on that? Yeah, so today, um, the 10th of February, is the second anniversary of the death of our three winners. Um, and so for those that don't know the story, um, Dia, Yosser, and Roseanne were um, North Carolina natives. All three uh, went to NC State. So Dia and Yosser had graduated, um, and Roseanne was still a student here. Um, and they were up in Chapel Hill at their apartment when... Their neighbor came in and executed, like execution style, shot all three of them. At first, they said it was a parking dispute, but now it is being tried as a hate crime. Yeah. So, and today again is the anniversary of their death. So, commemorating their work um, today is especially important. Um, the three of them were really active in the community. Everyone loved Roseanne. I went to the same high school as her out at uh, Athens Drive, and. I didn't know her personally. We had a couple classes together, and I got to speak with her a couple times, but they were all renowned for, you know, Roseanne was the sweetest person. She was always doing, like, random nice things for people, always <laughs> involved in community service, and was just, everyone loved her. Um, Dia, so he was the oldest of the three. He was a second-year student at UNC Dental School, and so he was really... Um, into giving back to the community. So he worked with an organization that gave free dental care to refugees. Um, so he worked with that a lot. And then his wife, um, they'd only been married for a couple of weeks before before they died. Um, but Yusser, um, was, Yusser and Rosanna are sisters, or were sisters. Um, but Yusser and Dia were married. Um, and Yusser was about to join him at the UNC Dental School and was also a really big um, advocate of the projects that he worked on. Um, with the dental school. And so on this anniversary, we want to take some time out to remember them, remember their lives, and also the lasting impact that they have had 
on our communities. It's truly amazing. I mean, even after um, they have passed, they continue to give back to our community in so many ways. Um, there is the endowment. So for NC State students, after the, um, after the tragedy, there was a fund that was started in the name of Dia Yosren Razan um, to benefit NC State students. So every year, six students are awarded um, awarded a scholarship, essentially, in the three winners' names um, that benefit each of the colleges that they were in. So the Poole College of Management, the College of Sciences, and the College of Design, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, College of Design. So each of the three were in those colleges during their time at NC State. And the management scholarship is for students who demonstrate leadership in community, school, civic, or other organizations. Science is for students who demonstrate a commitment to volunteerism by doing communal, uh, sorry, meaningful community service uh, without compensation. And the design scholarship is awarded to students who demonstrate creative achievement. Yeah, so that is one way in which they continue to give back to our community. And then recently, this is about a week ago that it was um, open to the public, the Lighthouse Project, um, two words not one word as in a lighthouse, but um, the lighthouse project was started by um, Dia Barakat's family, specifically his brother um, is one of the main people in charge of it. But it was started after, um, so after Dia Barakat passed, he owned a home, not that not one that he lived in, but he, you know, rented it out to people um, as sort of a way to make money. And so obviously after he passed, uh, his family inherited the home. And so one tweet that Dia Barkat tweeted um, in July of 2014 read, I have a dream one day to have a unified and structured community, have a voice in our society and support the youth with their projects. Um, using that tweet as an inspiration, his family decided to use the house to be sort of a community center for people in the Raleigh area. Um, so the lighthouse, as it's called, um, since Dia's name in Arabic means light, um, was, uh, was started... Um, to do just that so it's on Tarboro Street in Raleigh um, and it's just a place where people can go if they need um, a place to set up meetings um, just people that are getting started out in terms of entrepreneurship um, group projects things like that you can sort of work on those there um, and it's really been well done um, sorry redone to be equipped to the needs of people that need a space like this so it has a creative commons a, walking, uh, a living room, a kitchen, and a multi-purpose room, and a handicapped accessible restroom. So that's all on the bottom floor. And then the top floor has a large meeting room, a large office space, and a shared conference room. Um, and so all of that is open to the public. And if you're interested, there's also an event tonight. It's called the Day of Light, How Can I Be the Light? And it's hosted by the Lighthouse Project. There's a Facebook event for it if you want to check that out. It's going to be held at the Tarboro Road Community Center. It starts at 7, and it's a, it's a memorial for them and is also talking about how we can be effective in our communities like they were. Uh, the event's going to have lots of speakers from the community, uh, and they'll be talking about sort of the effect that this event has had here and how we can continue to move forward. And one last thing that um, we can continue to do to honor their legacy is the North Carolina Interfaith Food Drive, which is in the honor of Dia Yusran Razan. So it is through the Islamic Association of Raleigh, but there are a bunch of places where you can drop off canned food. Um, so last year they had a similar food drive and donations translated into over 26,000 meals, um, which is obviously a crazy number. Um, so through Saturday, uh, people will be able to donate um, canned food goods at different locations. If you look on their Facebook page, you can see the different locations, but they include the College of Design, the Cashier's Office, and C-SLEPs. And those are just of the few all that are on campus. Um, but there are many other in the com many others in the community. Um, and then so on the 25th, they're going to be collecting them and sorting them at the Islamic Association of Raleigh, um, and then donating them to the Food Bank of Central and Eastern North Carolina. And there's some really great articles out there and stories that you can read. There was a StoryCorps uh, story from Yusser when she, yeah. do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so Yusser went to, so, uh, okay, so just a little bit of background. The Islamic Association of Raleigh, um, it's primarily a mosque where people of the Islamic faith go to worship, but 
there it also houses an elementary school and a middle school which ironically my mother shout out to my mom teaches at that elementary school but so uh the three of them dia yusra and rizan they attended that school as children and so um like i think it was about six months prior to her death yusra interviewed um sister jameen who was a sister um and a teacher at the school um on StoryCorps, but then after she passed, um, Sister Jabin came back um, to add on to the story and sort of sort of speak about her legacy um, and who Yusser was as a person. Um, but hopefully, we can play that in a little bit. But before that, um, Fianco, you were here on campus when the tragedy occurred, weren't you? Yeah, I uh, I had a really early class that morning. Most of my friends aren't. Up by that time, it was an eight o'clock class, and I had to get here every morning at seven. So, you know, I spent most of that time checking the news, that kind of thing. And an article came up that was shots fired at UNC, and I was like, huh, weird. And you know, you get those like weird feelings when you know that something is about to be really awful and big. You know, obviously, shots fired was not, you know, oh, shots are fired. So I looked at it. And I'm scrolling down, and of course, immediately I see this picture of Razan and Dan Yusser, and in there, um, Razan and her at, at graduation from Athens. You know, I'd recognize those colors anywhere. I'd recognize that face anywhere, and kept on reading. And it was just, you know, things like hit you like a ton of yeah. bricks. It's you don't really know what's happening, and because you don't expect this kind of thing to happen in our communities. And this was sort of in the wake of. There were, it was at the beginning of when the media started talking more about, you know, hate crimes and that kind of thing against our Muslim communities. And, but you don't expect it to happen right here at home to someone that you know. Yeah. And so that, that had such a big effect on everyone, everyone that I knew. People, we've all had classes with Razan or Yusur, Dea, and Dea, and um, that. That was a weird week. Yeah, I'm sure it really was. I mean, how were classes were, I mean, did professors and other students like acknowledge what had happened? Did they talk about it? Not right away, because I don't think everyone knew right away. It was sort of something because it was so early in the morning you yeah, know, and not yeah. everyone is checking the news. A lot of people just mm-hmm. didn't know what had happened. And so it, it shook everybody and going to the memorials and going to the what's the word that I'm looking the for? Vigil. The vigil that. It was tragic what had happened. There were such wonderful people, and you're kind of like, why would this happen yeah. to them? Yeah. But at the same time, watching all the everyone come together and remembering them and seeing everyone that they had touched mm-hmm. while they were here was really um, had a big impact. And you really got to see all the. There's just the huge effect that they had on everyone, yeah. you know, three people, but seeing all these huge crowds come out. And for you, I know you weren't here at the time, but mm-hmm. did that have an effect on you? How did that affect the Muslim community? How did that affect you? So I was living in Egypt at the time. This was 2015. This would have been my junior year of high school. Um, so it was right around, it was, this was right before I moved to the United States. And then, so, um, at that time, my family um, was, you know, planning, you know, okay, where are we going to live? Um, we were thinking, like, you know, the Triangle area um, because of, like, the all the universities and schools that are in the area. And then something like that happens. And, I mean, we didn't know any of them personally, but just sort of to think, um, you know, this is where we're going to be living next year. This is where we're going to be existing. Like, is this a safe place to go? Because, you know, always when people outside the U.S., talk about going to the u.s you know it's always this sort of safer better opportunity like you never realize that there there that there's bad stuff that goes on here too um so just thinking about that and then my mother um again she was a teaching in egypt at the time she had a co-worker that was from raleigh and um most people didn't really know about the news i mean this was like a whole another continent away so not not a whole lot of people knew about it but one of her coworkers came in and she was crying. And then my mom was like, oh, like, what's wrong? Turns out she was in Dia's class as a kid. So, you know, they, they've impacted people that were worlds away. Um, 
but they they definitely did have an impact on on everybody i mean whether or not you knew them it was just such a tragic event especially to happen so close to home what do their lives and their deaths mean in this time when there is so much racial tension religious tension here in our in our country and so many issues with islamophobia all kinds of things and the immigration the immigration ban that kind of thing yeah. sorry i know some people don't like that i'm saying immigration ban but when he said called it that i'm gonna call it that too yeah um so i think there's two ways you can look at it obviously this is a tragedy it is so sad that these people's lives were cut so short um especially like considering like the kind of people they were that the kind of like the kind of impact that they had on their communities and um just they touched everybody that they met but at the same time i think there's there's always a positive way to look at things and so not not to say that it was not i mean obviously not to say that it was good that they died or anything but um and i think like the families have have um touched on this a bit in the past but just the fact that like living through their legacy making the world a better place um definitely can change the way that we interact with other people now you know that one tragedy that happened in 2015 we should be able to learn from that and you know sort of use it as a way to educate people make the world better you know um through all of these um efforts that they're doing in their honor um and they're sort of continuing the work that they did i mean they worked a lot with refugees um but yeah just i think on a day like this we just need to be rem- like remembering the people that they were and the lives that they touched you know not really lamenting on i mean cuz at the end of the day like yeah this is like a really big deal politically but they were people you know so sort of especially on the anniversary of their death taking into account the people that they were and the lives that they touched um but after that like on other days like not not just sort of remembering them for one day and then you know, sort of not like just sort of setting it aside because it's too sad to think about. No, just sort of using it as a motivation to be better. Yeah. To to do what they would have done had they been alive to make like do make do them proud, you know, make the community a good place, a place that they would have like think do the things that they would have done essentially to make the world a better place. Their sister, Suzanne, Dr. Dr. Bearcat, she's so accomplished and she's so well-spoken and she has lots of interviews and she did a TED talk that you can find online where she spoke about how we can best be allies and, you know, speak up against things that we see are wrong and against bigotry. And if you want to check that out, it's on the TED website. Yeah. But can we play the uh, story core interview right now? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So like I mentioned earlier, if you're just tuning in, um, Yusser did a story court interview about six months before she passed with a uh, teacher at the Islamic Association of Raleigh. Um, and then after Yusser passed, uh, the teacher came back, you know, to sort of reflect on what that interview meant to her and who Yusser was as a person. So I think that would be a really valuable piece for people to listen to. Here we go. And if you want to go back and listen to it again or check out other story court stories, you can. This is all found on the story court website. Growing up in America has been such a blessing, and although in some ways I do stand out, such yes. as you know the hijab, the, yes. the head covering, um, there's still so many ways that I feel so embedded in the fabric that is our culture, and here we're all one. I remember Yusser as a little girl when she was in third grade. She had this sense of giving that really makes her different from other children. I still remember in third grade when we asked for something, you used to say, don't put your hand like this. You would have your hand facing downwards as if you're taking something from someone. Oh my God, you yeah. still remember? And then you'd flip your hand over and you'd open your hand upward as you know a giving gesture. You know, be giving, open, compassionate. 
Yusser and Razan, these kids, their face was so radiant. They would just bring light to the room. And they treat me like their mother. I see you nowadays. You're always asking, how are you? You know, where are you now in life? And now I'm at NC State University. And got married to one of my other students. Yeah, <laughs> that was um, pretty interesting. <laughs> I was so happy, you know, when I saw you guys together. And you will be together for the rest of your life, inshallah. I just remember Dia when he was growing up. He was getting taller. And because I'm a short person, he would stand behind me and put his hand over my head. And I just told him, Dia, you can never outgrow my heart. Before our time is up, Sister Jabin, I'd just like to thank you. It's been an honor. No, I want to thank you, Yusur. And the honor is mine. Thank, thank you, you so much. Of course. I would like people to know and remember her as a practicing Muslim, as a daughter, and above all, as a good human being. You know, when we write our comments on report cards, we say they exceeded our expectations. She exceeded our expectations. So again, you were listening to a StoryCorps broadcast of an interview between Yusra Abu Salha and um, Sister Jabeen from the Islamic Association of Raleigh. Um, I think that's just one really great indication of who Yusra was as a person, um, as her siblings were too. I mean, they were just truly great pillars of our society. So uh, let's let's take today to remember the great impact that they've had on our community and all the great things that they've done. And you can check out the Lighthouse Project and the endowment that NC State does online. Sarah, do you have anything else? I just wanted to say, I mean, while today is the anniversary of their death, and while it is so important, especially today, to remember them and to reach out, you know, to be a support system for the families, remembering them every day through good work and good deeds is so important. Um, so don't make today a one-time thing. Sort of make it an everyday kind of thing. Um, and, yeah, so our thoughts go out to the families of Dia, Yasser, and Razan. We wish you the best. Um, yeah, and you're listening to 88.1 WKNC. And again, there is a memorial service tonight out at the Tarboro Community Center in Raleigh. It starts at 7, and you can find the event on Facebook it's called the um, House of House of Light. What's it? Uh, Day of Light, I think. Yeah, Day of Light. So you can look that up there. And we'll be posting a link later on when we post the podcast. So we're going to have a break. And coming up next, we'll have a song for you. So stick around. This is 88.1 WKNC Raleigh. That song you just listened to was Like That by Zenso Fly. Actually, it was uh, we finally made it from DJ PayPal. Sorry, Whoops. I forgot to update that. Just kidding. Um, but Thanks, so Dion. we had DJ PayPal, we had Ace Henderson, Zenso Fly, and Sand Pact all lined up for you there, and they are all playing Double Barrel Benefit 14. Double Barrel is an event that WKNC puts on every year. It's our only fundraiser that we have. We are a not we are a nonprofit organization. We are completely student run. So if you want to support us, this would be the way to do it. The event is a, it's a two night event. Both will be at King's. So it's February 24th and February 25th. All four of those people, Sand Pact, Zenso Fly, Ace Henderson, and DJ PayPal will be playing on the 24th. And then on night two, it'll be Astro Cowboy, Infinity Crush, Seagulls, and Sarah Shook and the Disarmers. And the two nights are two very distinct, different genres. We've got electronic and hip hop on the first night, and the night, second night is going to be a little more indie rock music. So it should be good. You, If you want to buy a ticket, you can go onto our website and buy it there. It's 12 in advance, 14 the night of, or $20 for both nights. What a deal. You do that <laughs> math, $10 a night, four bands. It's like you're giving each band not that much money. So you might as well come, right? Love to see you there. So again, that is going to be February 24th, February 25th at King's Double Barrel Benefit. And we'll be playing bands that are going to be playing the second night after this. 
But uh, our girl Conchi too. I mean, shout out to her. She's in. She's part of Sand Pact. Yes. Yeah. So also works on this show. Conchi is the one who put together the Switchpoint conference show for us, and she's going to be helping us with all kinds of production. She made our logo. She's awesome. So if you want to come see us there too, it's going to be night one of Double Barrel with Sand Pact. So every week. We are going to be promoting different events that are happening in the Triangle for you so that you can get involved. First, one that we mentioned earlier, we, there is the, um, we've got Day of Light, which is going to be a memorial for our three winners, talking about how can I be the light, and it's answering that question there. And it's going to be at Tarboro Road Community Center starting at 7 o'clock. That's tonight. Another thing tonight is going to be out in Chapel Hill at Swain Hall. It is spoken words, spoken justice, and it's going to have all kinds of artists, including Will McInerney, who was at Switchpoint Conference, and they're going to be talking about all kinds of things, or doing hmm, doing a lot of spoken word, <laughs> and this is a series, so there's one tonight, it's Shattered Glass, but then, which is also a memorial for um, our three winners, for our three winners, and they did that here a couple years ago as well. So Shattered Glass is happening at 5 tonight. And they're, this is a series, so they're doing different spoken word performances throughout the weekend on the 11th and 12th as well. You can find that on Facebook, Spoken Word, Spoken Justice. Um, uh, we's all, we've also got for tonight um, the Red and White Charity Ball, which is hosted by the NC State Union Activities Board. Um, so all the proceeds from tickets go to the Wake County SPCA. Um Tickets are five dollars. Um, uh, anyways, but yeah, so there's that. You can find it on Facebook. But and then we also have on the 11th on Saturday is the uh, 11th annual Moral March on Raleigh, which is hosted by Reverend Barber and the NAACP. Can you tell us more about where Moral March originated? How long it's been going mm-hmm. on, and like who Reverend Barber is? Okay, so Reverend Barber is. Um, he is the head of our North Carolina branch of the NAACP. Um, so, yeah, so Reverend Barber, I mean, obviously, he's a reverend, um, but he does a lot of um, work in the community, especially with civil rights and social justice. So in the past, they have hosted, um, they've hosted, like, events to rally against things like HB2 and voter ID laws. Um, this weekend, though, they aren't marching for one specific thing, but instead just, a, like, all the issues that have been going on in the past bit. So um, in addition to local rally issues there, they are rallying against, you know, the immigration ban and a bunch of other stuff. Um, so the whole purpose of the, the moral marches is to just sort of let North Carolina legislators know that we're here, we're vocal, um, and then and that we have a say in our state's politics. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so they start on South Street. Yeah, they start on South Street. Um, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Tomorrow morning in downtown Raleigh, they'll start yeah. on South Street and march down. And there's usually tons of people there, so I'm sure yeah. you'll see them. Yeah, it starts at eight thirty. Um, and then usually once they reach the, reach the end of the march, they have a lot of speakers, including Reverend Barbin, Reverend Barber, um, who I've seen speak before. He is an incredibly eloquent speaker. You can look him up online. He has a lot of videos where he talks about um, the history of social justice and um, African-American history in North Carolina. So that's definitely something to check out. Another event tomorrow is from 12 p.m. to 5 p.m. It's the NC Digs Deeper number 10 and it is going to there's going to be djs there we've got a q a panel with the community that runs this and it's facilitated by the digs deeper team and it's it's an event where you can check out people's ciphers performances and freestyles so it'll be in dance and in spoken word and poetry so that'll be an awesome event it's at the carolina ballroom of carrie we've also got Next week, we're going to be doing a hidden nutrition baking workshop here on NC State's campus hosted by the Good Club. So if you want to check out ways to eat healthy, it's supposed to be Valentine's Day themed. So they're going to be making um, cupcakes and brownies, I believe. Cupcakes and cupcakes and brownies with different 
healthy tricks you can do and you get to take home some food. And the day after on Valentine's Day, I'm going to start saying stop saying they and start saying we because yeah. <laughs> this is a shameless self plug here. But also it fits in with our mission as Oak City Move. Uh, the the Good Club is in a is a club that I started last year. This is Theon. And that's actually how I met Sarah. We were selling succulents to raise money for Habitat for Humanity. And Sarah just comes up to the table and starts starts filling up cups for us so we can put our succulents in them. You guys randomly. looked like you needed some help, so figured <laughs> so, I'd help you out. <laughs> yeah, Sarah just showed up and started helping us. And I was like, hey, Sarah, do you want to... Do you want to be a good club officer? So, I was like, yes. <laughs> and that's how I met her, and that's how we got the show started, really. Whoop. But, yes, yeah, so we'll be doing the nutrition and baking, and you can find that on Facebook to sign up so we can have enough ingredients for everyone. And then the next day, there will be a fundraiser in Tally selling candied nuts for... Uh, and it'll be a coat drive for Raleigh Rescue Mission because I know it was 70 degrees the other day, but nights have been getting really cold and there are people out there who don't have a place to stay, and they're really cold. So if you want to come donate anything like coats, toiletries, blankets, that kind of thing, you can donate them at Tally Ballroom on Tuesday. And also get some nuts, guys. So it'll be fun. Hope to see you there. And we'll be posting events on our website for you as well. We would love to hear any feedback from you or any suggestions. We are looking for people who are doing good things in our community, having a positive impact, especially those from underserved and marginalized communities here in North Carolina, because we're, we're trying to take this as a solutions journalism approach so that rather than reporting on only issues, we're reporting on people who are solving problems with those issues. So if you have any suggestions for people you'd like to hear on the show, please let us know. You can call 919-515-0881 or 919-515-2400. We also have an email address. It is oakcitymove at gmail.com. And we're always checking our tweets during the show. So if you want to tweet at us, it's also Oak City Move. With any song suggestions, uh, guest suggestions, or suggestions just for us, comments about things that we're saying, anything like that. As for musicians, we'd also love to have people who fit that same bill, people who inspire and empower and are supporting the community and from from North Carolina. Speaking of bands from North Carolina, I'm about to play some more songs from people who will be playing Double Barrel Benefit on February 24th. This next song is from Astro Cowboy from out in Wilmington. One of them actually goes to NC State now. Oop. And the song is called Math Class is a Blast. You're listening to WKNC. Um, so coming up next, every week we're going to be doing an artist highlight segment. Sometimes that'll feature live performances. Like last week we had, uh, Cypher come in, NC State Cypher, and they did some live stuff. And if you want to check out last week's show, we posted the podcast on our website and it's on WKNC's blog. So blog.wknc.org. Next week, we're going to have John Lindsay come in and talk about some of the work that he's done in the community and hopefully play some music for us. This week... Our artist highlight is actually Anne Sexton. She's a poet, but she also did some performances with music backing her while she read her poetry. And Anne Sexton, she passed at 45 in 1974. And it was very personal poetry. And a lot of her themes kind of address getting old, being a woman. And also she struggled with depression and suicidal tendencies and mania and so we also want to take this time not only to listen to her poetry but also highlight the student health center here at nc state and kind of break down that stigma between stigma of mental health you know like between uh so you we have free counseling here at nc state you can look it up and make an appointment yeah. it's not weird to go the real talk, I go. Me too. Not even because anything's happening with me, but because sometimes it's just nice to talk to someone who yeah. doesn't have anything to do with your life. And fun fact, um, our NC State Counseling Center won a regional Emmy. No way. What? Way, yeah. So we made, not we, I keep saying we, I did not do anything. <laughs> the Counseling Center um, made a video, I think it was a year ago, 
Um, and you can check out the video. We can post a link to it on our blog and stuff. Um, but so they made this video. It was three NC State students that were talking about um, their time struggling with depression while going to school here. Um, and it's a great video. Oh, right. Yeah. I remember now. Okay, yeah. So they won a regional Emmy for that. And I thought that was awesome. So, so cool. Just one of the ways that they've been trying to, you know, break down the barrier between people um you know make people feel less isolated um if they have mental health issues um and just sort of raising awareness and all that so on that note we're going to play you one of ann sexton's performances it is called women with girdle and it's very i encourage you to listen to the words and the imagery that she uses it posts it paints a very vivid picture in your mind so here you go this is woman with girdle from ann sexton this is 88.1 WKNC Raleigh. That song you were just listening to was Illusions by Group Fetish. Congrats to Laser Dan for winning our <laughs> tickets to Roots of Rebellion show next week. Woo. So coming up next, we're going to be, we've been walking you through each segment that we're going to do every week. So we had our artist highlight segment. We had a um, person of the week, the movers and shakers of the week. We had an interview with a sustainability uh sam from the sustainability <laughs> fund what are words i don't know and i'm coming up next we're going to do our what's been on our minds this week mm-hmm. looking back and what did we learn so sarah what's something that you learned this week i learned just to sort of take everything in stride you know i was this week i was really stressed out i had a lot of stuff to do for school and for my job i work for the technician shameless plug for them but um yeah so i had a lot of stuff going on with that and just was sort of freaking out about it um but yeah just sort of learned to to not worry too much about stuff it'll all work out you know i mean do your work obviously but you know don't freak yourself out too much how about you fion uh i i had a lot of time to talk to my parents this week i live at home but same in the past i've been living at home for a little bit now because we live pretty close to nc state but in the past, you know, I've always been go, 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 go. I leave the house around 8 in the morning and don't come back until 9 or 10 at night. And then I go to bed. And I still, even though I was living at home, I still didn't get to spend as much time with my parents as I wanted to. But I've been trying to be more conscious of the way that I spend my time. And if I can do something at home, I want to do it at home just to be around them. And that's opened up a lot of chances for some neat conversations, learning things about mm-hmm. my parents, about and just getting getting lessons taught to me, you know. They're always bestowing knowledge on me out of nowhere. Um, so let's see. I talked to my dad about investments, investments of time Ooh, and money. So we were talking about or becoming a real estate agent. Like that's an investment of time, but long run it can make you money. But does it fit in with your vision of what you want to do? Um, we had... We had a good conversation about what it's like to be. I've never had this kind of conversation with my parents before. After 21 years, we've never talked about our experiences in America. Oh, yeah. As, you know, my my parents are first generation Vietnamese immigrants. And, you know, we've never had a conversation about, hey, what was your experience like growing up in America? Which is weird because we live together. and But it's always just something that's kind of just sat there in the back of your head, you know. Mm -hmm. So that was a really good experience, too. So that's been on my mind a lot lately, trying to get to, it's weird when you live with, I've lived with them, you know, my whole life and I know them, but there are facts about them that I don't yeah. know, in, random interest, interests and stuff that I didn't expect. It's always like that with my dad too. My dad um, moved to the United States from Egypt when he was like in his early twenties, um, like out of college. Uh so, you know, he, like, definitely came to America, you know, with a whole different mindset. And my dad's not super talkative in general, you know. Um, but whenever, like, I hear random things about him, you know, from because all of his buddies that he moved here with, they still live in the Triangle area and, like, in North Carolina and stuff. So, you know, always hearing, like, stories about my dad when he was um, in college and stuff, you know. It's always really funny to learn more about your parents, I guess. Right. And my dad's always loved shows like Meerkat Manor and also the more (laughs) political ones like uh, House of Cards and Madam Secretary, that kind of stuff. He loves that. But I didn't know that he was interested in writing and stuff. He's like, I don't have time to do it now. What kind of writing is he interested in? I don't know. But he was telling me if there's anything that you're going to learn 
the best skill that you can possibly learn is writing because the ability to express yourself in a way that makes people interested and makes sense is so mm-hmm. important. So he, we were talking yeah. about that, uh, all kinds of things this I mean, week. To go off on a tangent, like with the whole writing thing, but I mean, a lot of people don't realize how important writing is just because like, even if you're just like studying something like engineering, or whatever, where it seemingly doesn't have a whole lot to do with writing. I mean, you could be like a mastermind at like, I don't know, circuits and stuff but if you can't express your ideas and proposals on paper then you're not going to really be able to get that far so props to props to your dad this is from someone who writes for the technician y'all so Uh, yeah take it from her yep well we're going to close out now the time is 11 59 i think it's 10 59 10 10 59 (laughs) yes it's 10 59 and coming up next we have the i love lucy show it's going to be psych rock and stick around, but you've been listening to the Oak City Move.